Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team. When the Boston Red Sox bid goodbye to Big Poppy at the end of the 2016 season, their muscle, their thump, the fear they stirred in the minds of opposing pitchers, it went out the door with him. For 14 seasons, David Ortiz had been the game's definitive designated hitter. He retired after an age 40 season in which he led the majors in OPS. And though the Red Sox knew his production would be difficult to replace, They didn't understand the full extent of Ortiz's absence until a 2017 season in which they ranked last in the American League in home runs and next to last in slugging percentage. They needed a boost. They needed a basher. They needed a middle-of-the-order masher. They needed J.D. Martinez. Welcome to the 2009 Major League Baseball first-year player draft. The Washington Nationals select Steven Strasburg. He strikes out the side. He brings his total to 14. Nolan Arenado. He was drafted in the second round. Career hit number 1,000. Paul Goldschmidt drafted out of Texas State. That's number 200. J.D. was drafted and developed by the Astros. Homers in four consecutive plate appearances. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim select Michael Trout. A unanimous American League MVP, Mike Trout. Swinging first pitch, drives one out to center field. That ball is gone! Big fly for Mike Trout! Greetings, baseball fans. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, MLB.com national columnist, and this is the fifth of six installments in our series going deep on the 2009 MLB Amateur Draft and how it changed baseball. Martinez was as close to perfect as a free agent fit could be, and though the two sides danced around each other for many months in the winter leading up to 2018, they eventually came to agreement on a five-year, $110 million contract. At the press conference announcing the deal, Martinez was asked how much damage he expected to do at Fenway Park. I'm expecting hopefully to do a lot of damage. Uh, you know, that's the game plan coming in. The plan worked. Martinez hit 43 homers and 37 doubles, drove in an MLB-high 130 runs, and accumulated an MLB-high 358 total bases. He finished fourth in the MVP voting. He won the American League Hank Aaron Award. And because the voters didn't know what to do with a player who split his time between DH and the outfield, he became the first player in history 
to win two Silver Slugger awards in the same season. And beyond his own numbers, there was the impact he had on the rest of the Red Sox lineup, most notably the protection and the interaction he provided for American League MVP Mookie Betts. Red Sox coaches joke that having Martinez on the roster was like having an extra hitting coach. He is meticulous about the craft and the mechanics of hitting, and he is always keen to pass his insights on to his teammates. In the aftermath of Boston's World Series win in Los Angeles, in a clinching game in which Martinez had gone deep off Clayton Kershaw, Rick Porcello summed up how the Red Sox felt about J.D. You get superstars that come into your ball club and you never know how it's how it's going to go down. But J.D. is he's one of the hardest working most humble people I've ever been around. And I mean if you're around him every day and you see him work you wouldn't know that he had the year that he had. It was easy amid the glow of a World Series trophy and in the wake of a stupendous season to appreciate what J.D. Martinez brings to a ball club. But 10 years ago, when Martinez was a college kid, basically begging major league teams to draft him, it wasn't easy at all. You've probably heard the story of how Martinez reinvented his swing around the time the Houston Astros released him in 2014 and how he became the poster boy for baseball's launch angle revolution with his immediate rise to prominence with the Detroit Tigers. What you probably don't know is how difficult it was for Martinez to even get drafted by the Astros in the 20th round of 2009. Or for that matter, how difficult it was for him to even find an opportunity to play college ball. To know that story is to understand how angst, anger, and an unusually obsessive approach to the art of hitting got Martinez where he is today. And how, for him, the concept of overcoming the odds and silencing the skeptics is not some internal invention used for motivation. It is his reality. You know, my whole life, everyone's always doubted me. Yeah. You know, before I came here, no one in Boston knew who I was. Yeah. The numbers have always been there, but yeah. what's the big what? Because I don't showboat, I don't, you know what I mean? I'm not flashy. Yeah. Like, I just go out there every day and take care of my business and something I take pride in you know my dad always told me you're talking with your bat and your ball let other people talk for you Um, that's something I've always taken pride in but I don't know just the way it's always been with me here's the story of how JD Martinez went from doubt to clout JD was drafted and developed by the Astros and JD Martinez hit that ball off the center field wall and that is his first big league hit. JD Martinez hits his first in a Tigers uniform. Oh my goodness! Welcome to the Diamondbacks, JD Martinez! JD Martinez homers in four consecutive plate appearances. JD Martinez, first home run in a Red Sox uniform. JD Martinez, he was awarded two Silver Slugger Awards in the same season. It's gone! 200th of his major league career. Julio Daniel Martinez was the sixth child and the first boy born to Julio and Myra Martinez of Miami, Florida. They raised a tight-knit family of Cuban descent. As early as it was safe to put a bat in his hands, J.D.'s father put a bat in his hands. Julio wanted to keep his son off the streets 
and out of trouble. And baseball was an outlet for the four-year-old kid to learn, to compete, and to stay safe. When J.D. was 10 years old, he met Paul Casanova, the former Major League All-Star catcher who ran a hitting academy in Miami that featured so many Cuban baseball artifacts that it was known affectionately as the Cuban Museum. It was through Casanova that Martinez received not only proper tutelage and an appreciation for the game's greats, but also that itch to one day reach the big leagues himself. But by the time he transferred to Charles W. Flanagan High School in Pembroke Pines, Florida, before his junior year, Martinez did not appear to have much of a future in the game. He was gangly and long, like a stick figure. And as a result, he didn't have home run power. He could drive the ball, he didn't strike out, and you could not get him out of the batting cage. But on a team loaded with talented players, a team that won back-to-back state titles his junior and senior years, Martinez really did not stand out. The same dude who would one day bat cleanup for a World Series winner batted fifth for his high school team. That said, Martinez was not totally ignored by Major League teams. There was one scout, Brad Weitzel of the Minnesota Twins, who is now on the University of Florida coaching staff, who happened to be in attendance the day Martinez hit the only home run of his senior season. True to form for the guy who would one day show power to all fields in the big leagues, that one home run was a backspun line drive that went out to the opposite field and right. It was enough to compel Weitzel to talk the Twins into taking a flyer on Martinez in the 36th round of the 2006 draft. The team had the intent of making Martinez a so-called draft and follow, a process in which a team takes a player in the late rounds with no intent of offering him a contract immediately, but rather with the hope of signing him within a year if his performance blossoms in college. In 2007, changes to the amateur draft eliminated the draft and follow rule, but in 2006, it was an opportunity for Martinez to further impress the Twins in his freshman year of college. There was just one little problem. Martinez didn't have a college interested in him. I remember being in the Keys, and I remember being in, um, uh, on my boat, or my, my dad's boat, and with all my friends, yeah. and they go, Jitty, you know you just got drafted? I'm like, what do you mean? And they go, yeah. Like, they're texting me about it. They just said it, like that you just got drafted. I'm like, I did? Go, by who? They go, by the Twins in the 36th round. I go, what? So then um, I was like, oh, cool. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I do. But, you know, and then they wanted me to be a draft and follow. At the time, that was a thing. Yeah. And I was like, great, find me a college, because I didn't even have a college I was going to yet. You know, I didn't even, you know, senior year ended, I didn't even know where I was going to school. I didn't have any college, any commitments, any, nobody really was interested in me. And um, so the twins called a bunch of um, Chucos, and nobody wanted me. Everybody was full and didn't have space and all this stuff. So then, like, well, you can't be a draft and follow, and we don't recommend that you sign. Everybody needs an advocate, somebody who provides not just belief, but backing. Somebody with the resources to, at the very least, take things from zero to one. 
for Martinez at that time, that advocate was his high school infield coach, Eric Cruz. When Martinez's senior year was effectively wrapped up, Cruz made it his mission to find a school, any school, anywhere, that would give the kid a scholarship, any scholarship, to play baseball. He called every junior college baseball coach in the state of Florida. He found a handful of teams that were willing to have Martinez come to their campus to take part in a workout. The Flanagan High School team bus had just arrived back at school after the Falcons clinched the Class 6A championship when Cruz asked Martinez if he was ready and willing to go on a very different kind of road trip. Here's how Martinez remembers that moment. As soon as we got the bus, he goes, hey, J.D., come here. And we're already like, we're done with school. School's over pretty much. And he goes, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, nothing. He goes, all right, me and you, I'm going to call a bunch of these schools, and we're going to drive you around, and we're going to pretty much audition you off to all these kids, to all these uh, schools. It was me and his Toyota Corolla and him, and we just, just cruised all of South Florida, all up and down, and did probably about five or six um, um, workouts yeah. in two days. So by like the fourth or fifth one, I couldn't even throw. My arm was just <laughs> shot because I'm letting everything I have air out. Yeah. You know, running, sprinting, hitting, and then everyone pretty much said nope, nope. They're like, you know, we don't understand how he's not D1. He's got tools, but we're not interested. Yeah, well, so then what the heck? Why'd you make me try out? Polk State College in Winter Haven. Manatee Community College in Bradenton. Florida State College at Jacksonville. They all had J.D. Martinez, future Hank Aaron award winner, stretch, throw, run a 60, and take BP. And they all said thanks, but no thanks. Martinez did get one bite on that trip. At Florida Institute of Technology in Melbourne, he worked out in the morning and had an offer by lunch. The cafeteria even had free ice cream. What's not to like? Well, there was one little catch. When they got back into Cruz's car, the coach asked the player what he thought. And Martinez told Cruz he really wasn't interested in becoming a member of the Florida Tech Panthers. Why? There were no girls on campus. Martinez might have been desperate to find a school to play baseball, but even desperation has its testosterone-influenced limits. Cruz laughs at the memory. Florida Tech is like an engineering school, so there was nothing but dudes walking around. And Jenny was like, uh, Cruiser, I'm the hell, man. I'm like, Jenny, we got one offer in three days. We traveled 500 miles. And he's like, I can't do this one. I, I don't feel good. I go, no worries. But Cruz was worried. After that unsuccessful swing through the Sunshine State, the calendar flipped to June. Scholarships had dried up. The pickings were slimmer than, well than a bony 18-year-old J.D. Martinez. Finally, though, Cruz got word of an open tryout at Nova Southeastern University, a private school just a few miles from Martinez's high school. Martinez showed up, performed well, and had an offer within a day. Granted, it wasn't much of an offer. Martinez remembers it being around $1,500. It has been reported as $3,000. Whatever it was, the annual tuition was north of $20,000.
So the scholarship didn't go far. That Martinez had to go through so much to get so little still amazes Cruz, who had this to say about the experience. We basically came down to the, the 11th hour of finding this guy. I mean, school started like six weeks later, you know, almost a month later. This was after our season. They had to go to a workout, an open trial for high school kids to even be offered a scholarship to a Division ten school. That's how insane it was trying to get that kid signed. Ah, but the difficulty would not end there. Even cracking the Nova starting lineup proved to be a struggle for Martinez his freshman year. The head coach, Mike Mamani, felt Martinez was slacking a bit in his preparation. Here's how Mamani remembers it now. I was sort of, you know, testing him, if you will. Um, you know, and, and, and knowing that he, he had so much more in him as far as uh, – uh, potential and ability. So I was trying to push. I was trying to push the envelope, knowing that it was early in his college career and early in our season to really, you know, push the envelope and maybe ignite a fire in in JD that 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 he was going to come out and 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 you know be the first one in the cage and the last one to leave. But we didn't see that early on. So I I, I really was trying to you know prove a point. One day, Mamani made an announcement that he had an open door policy. So any players who weren't pleased with their playing time were free to come to his office to discuss why. So Martinez did exactly that. I said, okay. I said, I want to know the answer. So I walked right up there. And I said, I want to know why I'm not playing. He's like, I had a feeling you'd be up here. And I was like, well, you tell me, is, is this kid in front of me, does he throw better than me? Nope. Does he hit better than me? Nope. Does he faster than me? Nope. So what does he do that's better than me? What, he's just older than me, so that makes him a better baseball player? Like, I want to win. I want to try to play. That was that. With both men having made their points, Martinez took his rightful place in the Nova starting lineup. His days of riding the bench for a Division II school were over. Moving forward, there would be challenges, especially with recurring knee injuries but he figured out how to manage those issues, earned more scholarship money as he became the heart of NSU's lineup, and rewrote the school's record books. In his junior season of 2009, he hit 428 with 15 homers and 73 runs scored. His teammate, Mike Fires, another 2009 draftee in the 22nd round by the Brewers, remembers Martinez's power to the opposite field as his signature strength. Jade was a good hitter. I mean, he, you could you could tell he still had you know some holes here and there, and every hitter does. But but what set him apart from everybody was that he was looking to hit the ball to right center. He was that was his, where his power was. And in college, you don't have many guys that really pound want to pound the ball inside on you. Maybe every once in a while, you know, even on a mistake fastball, would run up and in, you know. But um, with him, everyone tried to stay away you know, breaking balls away, and like that was right into his swing. He stayed inside the ball. He hit the ball to right center. With his body filling out and the power coming along as a result, Martinez attracted the eyes of more scouts in college than he had in high school. Mamani estimates that probably 10 or 11 teams gave him a serious look, including, coincidentally enough, the Red Sox. Still, Martinez was at a small D2 school, the Nova Southeastern Sharks, as they are known, were swimming in infested waters when it came to evaluating talent. 
but one scout had a special insight and a special interest in Martinez. His name was Greg Brown. Today, he's actually the head baseball coach at Nova, having succeeded Mamadi when Mamadi became the full-time athletic director. But back in 2009, Brown was in his first year scouting South Florida and Puerto Rico for the Astros. A former catcher in the Marlins minor league system, Brown used to train at Nova Southeastern in the offseason, and his time in the minors overlapped with Martinez's freshman year. The two would hit together, and most importantly, they would talk hitting together. To this day, they still love to talk hitting. Actually, a quick story about that. One offseason, not long ago, Cruz, by this point a member of Brown's coaching staff at Nova, was there when Martinez came to Nova's batting cages with a toilet bowl brush connected to a tennis ball. Martinez excitedly showed Brown how, if he swung the toilet bowl brush with the correct kinetic chain, it would help him stay linear and balanced and... Okay, right now, you're probably thinking what Cruz was thinking. It's a toilet bowl brush! But of course, Brown rushed out and bought two of them. Anyway, back to 2009. Brown came to understand the precise painstaking approach to hitting that would eventually be a separator for Martinez at the major league level. So when Brown was scouting the area in 2009, Martinez was a priority for him, as Brown explains here. Honestly, it was more instinctual than anything because there were a lot of things telling from a scouting perspective that this was not going to work at the major league level. But I believed in the kid and I had, I had, taken an opportunity to get to know him better than I had probably most of the guys that I was scouting at that time. Even though he knew Martinez's swing at that stage was a little ugly, Brown felt so strongly about his instincts that he put Martinez down as worthy of a third-round pick in the draft. As for Martinez, he felt so strongly about his draft prospects and the interest he had received that he thought he would go in the top 10 rounds, perhaps even top five. And when you come from a Cuban family and there's a good chance you're going to get drafted by an MLB team, what do you do? You throw a party, of course. All of Martinez's friends and relatives packed into his home for the first day of the draft, which featured three rounds, two compensation rounds, and 111 picks in all. J.D. didn't get drafted. So everybody came back for day two. More food, more drinks, More celebration of Martinez's moment. It began with the fourth round and nothing. Fifth round, nothing. Sixth round, nothing. On the draft crept, past the seventh round, where Martinez's Nova Southeastern teammate Miles Michaelis was picked up by the Padres. Past the tenth, which he had hoped would be his worst-case scenario. Past the eleventh, a round that uncovered just two players who even reached the big leagues and for a combined total of just nine games. The draft reached into the teens, and each passing round meant less and less money on the table and in all likelihood, less and less opportunity. It's a hard fact of life in pro ball that the later you get taken and the less a team has invested in you financially, the quicker you get cut if things don't immediately pan out. As his stock slipped and slipped and slipped, those same feelings of rejection that had hounded Martinez his senior year of high school resurfaced. So he left the party, 
got in his pickup truck and drove. No destination, just escape. He pulled out his phone. Don't text and drive, kids, even if your professional baseball future is on the line. And sent a message to the handful of scouts who had shown the most interest in him, including Brown. Here's what J.D. remembers about that. I was like, listen, draft me. I'm going to play in the big leagues. I guarantee you I'm, I'm going to play in the big leagues. I won't let you down. And nobody wrote back except the Royal Scout said, I know you, I believe you, but it's out of my control. And then the Astro Scout called me right after, and he's like, hey, we're, we're in the 17th round, and we have... I don't even know. This is like not it was terrible money. It was less than my scholarship at Nova. So I was like, dude, I'm getting more to stay in school. Like, I might as well stay in school if that's the case. And called me back, and he's like, hey, we have uh, 30000 if you want it. I said, I said, okay. He was the 611th overall pick. Not exactly an organizational focal point. When he reported for duty at Rookie Ball in Greenville, Tennessee, where he and Jose Altuve were the only future big leaguers on the roster, Martinez was a reserve outfielder. He had no pedigree, received no promises, and with so little invested in him, the Astros had little incentive to play him. Martinez used to write his number, not his jersey number, his draft number, 611 on his taped wrists as a reminder, as if he really needed one, of how low the baseball industry had valued him. I think it got to the point where it was finally like, help me play with that little chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Of, you know, looking around and seeing all these kids that weren't as good as me, got so much more money than me, and got so much more, you know, prioritized than me. And that really just, I don't know. Really just helped me play with that, you know, I wouldn't say anger, but motivation. He showed his rookie ball manager, Randy Linares, that he was what baseball people call a cage rat, a player who can't get enough of hitting, working, ramping up the intensity in the batting cage. Opportunities opened when other players got injured, and Martinez seized them. He hit 403 in 19 games in rookie ball. He hit 326 in 53 games at low A Tri City. In 2010, he hit his way to double A Corpus Christi and was the Astros minor league player of the year. And in late July of 2011, when the Astros, in full on rebuilding mode, traded Hunter Pence to the Phillies and had an opening in their outfield, Martinez got the call. Martinez to center field. Niger Morgan backing. Still going back. Martinez has ripped one on one bounce. It goes off the padding. Got his first major league hit. It's for extra bases. Quintero around to score. And his first major league RBI for J.D. Martinez. He drove in 28 runs that August, an Astros rookie record for a single month. The following April, he hit the first ever home run in Marlins Park in his Miami hometown. Smacks one high and deep to left field. Is this going to be the first long ball in this park? It comes from a native of Miami. J.D. Martinez comes back home and ties the game with a two-run homer, and it's 4-4 in the eighth. 
But the overall results at the plate from 2011 to 2013 weren't pretty, which is what caused Martinez to totally revamp his swing in the offseason before 2014. That's the story that has been told time and time again as Martinez has become one of the sport's most lethal offensive forces. But that story is only one small part of a bigger picture pattern in Martinez's baseball life of rejection and resurrection. It's what drives him. Eric Cruz saw it on the grand tour of Florida Juco's in 2006. I will tell you this. That experience from high school got him angry and he worked harder. The experience with the Astros infuriated out. Being drafted in Tony Brown infuriated him. And then the Astros releasing him, it was one of those things that, okay, now everybody's going to pay. And that was that has been his mindset. Greg Brown saw it in the cage and on the field at Nova Southeastern. I, I believe it, it is something that's going to continue to serve him as we look at the second half of his career and how um, he's he's how he's internally motivated is going to remain the same. I, I believe that at 40 years old, you know, if he's still playing in the big leagues, he's going to be driven to still make the type of adjustments that he can. And I think he's going to surround himself with people that are going to push him to make those adjustments because if you're complimentary to him, he's going to find, he, he's going to find the weakness in that. Um, and, and what he's going to search for is how is he going to, how are you going to help him improve? And if you're not doing that, he's going to have to go find somebody else that will. And so that, that to me, it's, I call it like angst. Like he has players angst that I think is very genuine. Um, and it's rooted in, every fiber of what he does. The angst returned when Martinez reached free agency before the 2018 season. He was looking to cash in on a 45 homer year in which his 690 slugging percentage was the best in baseball. In that 2017 season, Martinez had been dealt from Detroit to Arizona in July and hit 29 homers and 13 doubles in just 62 games with the NL wildcard winning Diamondbacks after the July trade. So not only was he not tied to draft pick compensation as a result of being involved in a mid-year move, but he also demonstrated that he can adapt to a new setting quickly and thrive in a playoff chase. Still, Martinez's market lingered and lingered and lingered. For months, his status, his projection, and his price tag were analyzed to death by every scribe and talking head in baseball, yours truly included. Martinez had gone into the winter reportedly looking for a $200 million deal. So on the one hand, it was understandable that teams would be leery of ponying up such a price. Still, for one of the game's biggest bats, to have his market basically come down to one team, the Red Sox, that was even willing to go north of $100 million, made for an uncomfortable waiting period for Martinez. The financial stakes were higher than ever, but the feeling was familiar as ever. The Red Sox likely benefited from the wait, not just because it drove down Martinez's asking price, but because it gave him motivation, yet again, to be the best player he could be. 
Like it's never been easy. Yeah. Not even when I was a free agent this uh, a couple years ago. You know, it wasn't an easy free agency. Yeah. It wasn't a cupcake thing. It was a, it was a grind to try to get a job. And it's kind of always been my story. This story ends in February of 2019 at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida, just a few miles down I-75 from where the Red Sox trained at Fenway South. There's a high school game going on at the college ballpark. Eric Cruz is there in his role as an amateur scout for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's with a couple other, as he puts it, fat scouts. They're here because it's their passion and their paid duty to be here on a Friday night in the rain with some kid on the mound throwing 86 miles per hour. But when Cruz happens to look over his shoulder one moment, there he is, the kid he once drove around Florida looking for a school. J.D., Cruz says, what are you doing here? The World Series champ, the dominant D.H., Martinez responds, I just want to watch some baseball. When you watch Boston's D.H., Big Poppy's worthy replacement, Remember that story. J.D. Martinez has to be one of the few big leaguers nerdy enough to pop in unannounced at a random prep game to watch hitters' swings. He did it because he loves it. And maybe, in the back of his mind, he knows, somewhere on that field, there might be a kid who just needs a believer. A kid just like him. I hope you enjoyed this look at J.D. Martinez's draft story. Thanks to my producer, Marissa Morris, and thanks to MLB.com reporter Ian Brown for his interview assistance with this episode. Thanks to J.D. Martinez, Eric Cruz, Mike Mominy, Greg Brown, and Mike Fires for helping us tell this story. If you like the show, be sure to download the other episodes in this series to hear the 2009 draft stories of Mike Trout, Steven Strasburg, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Jeff Luno. You can subscribe to this series wherever you get your podcasts. If you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us to help others find the show. Until next time, I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, and thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.